Welcome everybody to Soccer Neil Fights. Chris here. Today we are going to be talking about the Chelsea situation. We'll be touching on if the rich get richer. We've got ourselves a title race. And is Everton really going to go down? Yo, what's up, fellas? I got hey. Nate and Tim here. How are you guys? Good, man. All right. Good, good, good. Glad to have you on. This is that one episode every three months where Nate accidentally lets me kind of talk a little bit more than he probably should. But welcome. It's good to have everybody here. Uh, fellas, how are you feeling tonight? Just in general, like about life or yeah, existentially. Um, yes. Yeah, I don't know. You know, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Normally, we do this on a Monday. Yep. Um, but last second situation last night pulled me away from the pod. Uh, today there were some soccer matches that didn't go my way, and I just want to know how you guys are doing. Better than better than you, I guess. Okay. That's yeah, it's a, it's a bummer for you because you missed a couple episodes uh, where United had poor, poor form. And then you finally had just an amazing weekend and we could have recorded after that. But instead, now you're forced to be on the pod uh, after a, a disappointing loss in the Champions League today. So, But we're a Premier yeah. League pod, so let's just focus on the hat trick. Yeah, that's that's the good news. We are Premier League pod, so we don't need to talk about the fact that United lost today 1-0 and are now eliminated from the Champions League. Uh, and the reality that they're not playing very well and probably not going to be in the Champions League next year. So, yeah, but we're Premier League pod. So let's focus on the Premier League. A um, lot has happened maybe over this last week. Uh, I know you guys touched on it last week when I wasn't here, but sanctions have come down uh, from the UK, from the Premier League against uh, um, Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich. And uh, they got a little bit worse than they were originally. And so uh, if you missed it, um, Chelsea basically is handcuffed at this point. Uh, they can't really do much of anything. So the latest sanctions were um, they cannot offer any new contracts to any players or any staff, which kind of affects them in the fact that uh, Rudiger, Christensen, Aspilicueta, those guys are all seeking new deals as their deals are ending. Um, they can't conduct any official transfers. This includes their women's team. So they can't do anything. They can't give contracts. They can't transfer in and out. They're not allowed to sell tickets to any games for the remainder of their season. As of right now, uh, the, the only caveat to that is that season ticket holders are allowed to maintain their tickets and go to the games. Um, they are not allowed to do any redevelopment work at the stadium. So they can't upgrade any facilities or anything along those lines. And then their spending on a weekly basis has been uh, locked at a budget of around 500,000 for home games and 20,000 expenses on away games. 
some other things that kind of came out of this is that their credit cards have all been shut down. And so I don't really I know how they're going to pay for anything at this point. Like if they need to do something. What's I've been wondering about situation? these. What did you say? Crypto. Oh, crypto. Yeah, right. <laughs> So a lot of heavy sanctions came out this week. And so um, was kind of looking for your guys' reactions, thoughts, like how do you operate in this? And I will say this last thing that kind of came out of this uh, is that they will allow him to sell the club. They're not going to stop a sale of the club. The only caveat is that he is not allowed to prosper in any way from the sale of the club. So I'm assuming if it sells for however many billions, he can get back his original purchase price, but they won't allow him to take any of the funds above that. And I don't know how that works considering he's essentially the sole owner of this club. So what are your guys' reactions? What do you think Chelsea looks like? We don't necessarily have to worry about them. Um, I mean, maybe we do. These are really harsh sanctions that we've never seen before. Um, what do you think the rest of the season looks like for them? And what do you expect them to look like in the summer? Yeah, I mean, the ins and outs of Premier League finances are for sure, like, way above my neophyte like <laughs> understanding like i i can I, there was a like 36 post um review of wolves finances like that this sporting like uh football uh finances twitter account posted and i was like trying to like read it because it was talking about how wolves are outside are like now in the outside of the financial fair play rules and they can now like spend a lot more money and but it was like so much stuff i didn't understand so to, for me to even pretend that i would know like really like in depth on what it means would be silly i think just basic economics of it it's like it seems like they're kind of screwed until he sells. I don't know who's going to want to go there. Like players who are under contract, I don't know how they're paid. Is it just on cash on hand? Like whatever cash they have, they're not able to sell tickets. So revenue is not going to be coming in. So from a basic revenue expenditure standpoint, whatever reserves they would have is I guess what they need to pay players. But then, like, yeah, that, that's the type of stuff that's more complicated to me is do they, do they have enough reserves to just pay their employees, not even just the players, but your employees. And what does that mean? Like, is it trickles down through the youth system, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think, I think until he sells, it'll be a really interesting situation. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing about that is that if you know much about sports finances, teams don't do well when it comes to cash reserves. Mm. The value is in whoever their owner is and what their outside influences are that brought them to the point where they're at. Um, but, but the value of a franchise is in the franchise itself, not in their day-to-day -day operations. So like, like when you think about the Suns, they're probably a two to three billion dollar worth nba basketball team but their cash reserves are pretty low 
And so the value of the team is just in the team itself. So if Robert Sarver decided, you know what, I want to sell this club. I paid 420 million for them, you know, 15 years ago, I'm going to cash out my 3 billion. Now that's where he's getting the money. It's not in the day-to-day reserves that teams have. So it, it's going to be really interesting. And I believe from what I read today and tonight was the cutoff of when bids were due to the financial team that's running the, the sale of the team. So maybe we'll find something out over the next couple of days as far as potential new ownership goes. But if people weren't willing to pay the $3 billion two weeks ago, they're certainly not willing to pay the $3 billion today. So, Tim, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And I think the um, the sale price, even if it comes down, like it just feels like it's untenable for this to continue, right? Like they've got to sell at whatever price somebody is willing to pay. And um, to just not face that situation of like Kai Havertz being like, hey, where's my paycheck? I'm sitting this game out, you know, or something like that. Like it's it's crazy to think that, that that could be the situation. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it'll be really interesting to see. I have a feeling it'll all come. Like, I feel like a lot will happen very quickly, but I had the thought, like if they're not allowed to sell tickets, except for basically the only people in the stands will be season ticket holders. That could still be a pretty sizable crowd, but does that mean there's no, not for a, plas- not well, for a yeah, plastic not for the plastics, club like yeah. Chelsea. So couple, couple thou, couple thou in there, but, but like, are there no away fans then for any of these games? I don't know exactly how all that works. Yeah. I think we saw Chelsea has been, I I think this is to a tournament game, but I think we saw Chelsea um, like basically begging the league to close the doors on away games since they can't have home fans, which I think Dude, is garbage. Like, no, that's not how this garbage. works. It's for the FA Cup tie against Middlesbrough. That's what it was. And it is such a joke. Oh like my gosh. the release, you guys. I mean, this is this is quintessential Chelsea. We are disappointed to announce we will not be able to sell tickets for Saturday's FA Cup tie at Middlesbrough. And then they go on to basically say, we're requesting that it's a closed stadium. So bad. This, I mean, the audacity of a team <laughs> that has spent more money than anyone else in the past couple decades. Totally. Or however long Abramovich has owned the club. And like, I read a whole bunch of other, like, I mean, people were just pissing all over these, this statement. The players because- have to be embarrassed of that. Like Dude, that's the stance you're like against a championship club. Oh it's gosh. at the, it's at Middlesbrough. So this is a team that like is going to be stoked to go their fans to go and watch an FA cup quarterfinals against Chelsea. Like totally. audacity. Don't take it away from them. Yeah. And that's a huge opportunity for Middlesbrough to make some money as a club. Totally. Like, totally. Why are you yeah. trying to, you know, chop their nuts off on this? Yeah. Well, and I should clarify when I was asking about away fans, I was actually talking about at Chelsea home games. Oh, okay. Are they able to sell tickets to I, away you, fans? I no, don't because it would still be them making. So them basically money. behind closed. So it would basically be season ticket holders, however many hundreds or tens of thousands that might be. And then no away fans and an I empty away section. I don't know if that's, I think 
we'll need Stu will Stu will uh, Stu fact check us. Stu will fact check in the morning. I think those tickets get sold by the away team that they're allotted oh. an amount. I feel they, like they administer it, but I don't know. Do they profit? Does does the away team? The money. No, would you'd, have to you'd imagine the home team. You'd imagine. So that's what I'm saying. So Why would the sanctions the not cover it? Yeah. Right. Stu, you have to tell us. And according to my crack research department, uh, Chelsea has right around 28,000 season ticket holders. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And I think the, the craziest part of all of this is that we're not talking about like a champions level or a championship level club or a, yeah. you know, district three. We're talking about the world champions. We're talking about the yeah. three, like the champions league winner of just 10 months ago. I mean, this is insane for it to be happening to this club, but it, you know, it is what it is. I, and honestly, I don't feel bad. Like, I don't know if you guys saw, but the Chelsea fans during a, a tribute to Ukraine over the weekend oh, were yeah. chanting Abramovich, Abramovich, Abramovich oh. during the uh, tribute to Ukraine, which I uh, guess what guys, I'm not getting behind that. No. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there's good bad. Kelsey fans out there. I I actually know a couple. Our friend Gabe is he's a decent Gabe. human being. We like we, him. We like him, but <laughs> but I don't feel bad for Chelsea fans. Yeah. No, I don't feel bad for them at all. So, all right, well, let's move on. Another big headline that kind of hit us this week, and who knows because it can't happen right now. Is there's rumors that Erling Haaland has a deal in place to end up at Manchester City this summer. Um, again, the transfer window is not open. It can't happen until, I believe, June when that window opens up. Um, but this would be massive news because they're already the best team in the league right now. I'm going to press that with a right now. That's for you, Tim. Liverpool is right on their heels. Um, but... What do you guys make of the news that Holland to City is a done deal? The rich get richer. It sounds, it sounds that way. I mean, the two big pieces moving this summer are are Holland and um, Mbappe, and it just seems like Mbappe's heading to Real Madrid, and Holland, like City, has the finances to do it, and Holland seems to want to go there. So I, I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen. And I, mean, I don't think there's another big club that's that's in the in serious running for him at this point, from what I've heard. Yeah, I and I think what's interesting about City right now is they don't have a big, they just don't have a big like number one guy. They've got they're made up of a a lot of amazing players who fit their roles and play their parts and. And the big question going into this, the season was without a striker, like, how are they going to do, right? Will they be able to, um, will they be able to succeed? And obviously they have, and every week it feels, except for this week, <laughs> there's a different, you know, there's a, one or two different people scoring and uh, making yep. stuff happen. Mares one week, De Bruyne another, um, Sterling another. I mean, it's just, they just, they're 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 a brilliantly constructed team of excellent players. Yes, coached by an excellent coach, but without, without a world class striker. Without a world class striker, but you even yeah. So 
what does it look like when you throw a guy, a young, a, a young man, even, and maybe that's the best place for a young man like him to be surrounded by a bunch of like veteran professionals and, but, and, and a, and a coach a manager who probably won't like build the team around him that hasn't been pep style for building yeah. around any one particular player, but that is the kind of his role in that like striker position. But, but if he goes there, I'm just imagining like De Bruyne feeding him passes Mares. I mean, De Bruyne with 30 assists next season. <laughs> I mean, geez, it's like, so it's so scary to imagine him there, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, remember this is, they were, City thought they had Kane for this role last year. They were they were ready to like build a team kind of around him. But to your point, yeah, Pep has traditionally not had one figurehead. I mean, even I mean, um, who am I thinking of? Aguero, right? Was yeah. he was a he was a prolific goal scorer, but he wasn't the guy in the in the club, right? It was still a shared spotlight going back many seasons. So that's right. It'll be interesting how that how that works. Yeah. But I mean, Holland and his agent, they know that too. They know, they know who Pep is. Pep has a really long track record of winning Pep's way. And so if you're eager to go play for Pep, theoretically, you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Like lots of trophies and lots of money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All the things nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Erland Holland's ego will, will do just fine. <laughs> It'll fit right in. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough about that because we're still months away from any sort of reality. There it goes. Um, but let's deal with the Premier League. We've got a title race. We've been saying it for a few weeks now, but it's officially on. Uh, if you look at the top of the standings, City is standing at top at 70 points right now. Liverpool right on their heels at 66 with a game in hand on them. So, potentially just a one point difference between these two clubs. Uh, let's start with you, Tim. You are our resident Liverpool fan. How are you feeling about this race? I mean, it's exciting. It it's more exciting by the week, by the month. Um, I think, you know, the ongoing conversation on the pod over the last several months is like the title race is over. Right. And I'm like, and in my mind, I think I even said this to Nate privately. I was like, in my mind, yes, but on the pod, I'm going to hold on to hope. I'm going to be like, yeah. there's still a chance. There's still a chance. And sure enough, there's still a chance, right? It's like, we're still not like, even with that game in hand, that would still have us behind them. And that game in hand is a tough one, right? Like Arsenal tomorrow. Uh, that's a really tough game. That's a really tough game. I'd feel a lot better about it if it were um, the kind of a club that Jurgen Klopp would make passing snide remarks about like Burnley. Um, but it's Arsenal and Arsenal's in really good form. So it'll be a really tough game, but like, I mean, we were, we keep, we kept saying like, it's all about the city slip up, the city slip up, the city slip up. And they should have taken care of crystal palace. They should have beat crystal palace five nil and they didn't. So but that's their bogey team. They lost. Yeah, yeah I know it is. Yeah, early yeah. in the year. So we've talked about these bogey teams that that you know our clubs struggle with that you theoretically shouldn't. And for whatever reason, Crystal Palace um, played so well against City this year. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's exciting though. It's exciting. 
I mean, essentially it's, it's in Liverpool. Like the title is in each team's hands. Like if Liverpool wins their game in hand and then beats city, they're at the top of the table, you know, even if they draw with Arsenal and beat, you know, beat city, they've got them on goal differential. So it's, it's a, it's going to be, they don't even, yeah, they don't even have to beat Arsenal. Right. There's, there's, there's some wiggle room if they can beat city. Yeah. If, if you guys were, this is interesting since you guys are not fans of either team and like Chris, you in particular, like have particular reason to hate these particular two clubs, right? Like the crosstown rivals and then like your longstanding club rival of Liverpool. Um, who would you rather be right now? If like, if you were a fan of which, which, which team would you rather be a fan of right now? City is still ahead. Even if Liverpool beats Arsenal, City is still ahead. But it feels like momentum is on Liverpool's side. But Liverpool could be perfect the rest of the season. Well, I guess apart from the, the City game, right? If Liverpool's perfect the rest of the season, that means City is not. But, like, take that game out of it for a second. If Liverpool's perfect the rest of the season, there's every reason to believe that City could also be perfect the rest of the season. So I'm just curious from you guys, wh- which position would you rather be in right now? Um, I'm a front runner. I want to be the one in charge in the lead. Um, it's do you kinda... think city feels like they're in the lead right now? Do you think they feel in charge? Uh, yeah. Cause I okay. think they have a world-class roster with some of the best players in the world on it and they are ahead in the standings. Yeah. So I think so. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's like, we haven't had a race in so long. It's almost like, do these guys even know how to react to that or actually being a race and that every game <laughs> is actually going to matter now for the yeah. rest of the season. So just interesting. I just, you know, not to always go back to basketball, but uh, if I have the, the choice of being the team up one with five seconds left or the team being down one with five seconds left, I want to be up by one because it's easier to get a stop. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the city's already secured that one extra point at this point. So I'd rather be them with that, that extra point in hand and say, yeah. come and get us, make the shot if you can. Yep. And I would say not that the Etihad is a, is a uh, like fierce environment, but the match is at the Etihad. And so it's I think, edge, that, yeah. I think that's a, that's a slight edge. So I think I too would want to be, I too would want to be city, but, but if I'm Liverpool, there's something like really kind of, I don't know, there's, there's probably, I would feel like a bit of arrogance, like, yeah, we're coming and we're hot and we're playing well and we can take you. And so I, I like that like kind of spirit, but, but in the end, I think I'd rather be city still to be in the, have a match at home. I think, and I think part you of gotta the- win. That's the thing. Yep. Like there's three options in premier league, you know, and this is what's so unique, like compared to other sports is city doesn't have to play to win that match. I don't know if that's how Pep will set up his formation, but yeah, there is like that ability that a draw is as good as a win for them. As long as they're perfect the rest of the way. As yeah. long as they're perfect. But all things considered, right? Sure. If you've got yep. the lead and you draw with a team, like that's as well, good. And we, and we don't know what will happen between now and April, April 10th. I mean, that's three and a half weeks away. It 
it may not be effectively a one point difference at that point. It could yeah. be Liverpool's fallen behind. It could be Liverpool's snuck ahead. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what you guys are saying, makes sense. And I think, I think part of what's so fun about this is um, basically nobody picked Liverpool to win the title this year. It was so well understood that city was in the driver's seat and a lot of people had Liverpool third or fourth because Chelsea has been so strong. One champions league have strengthened their squad and United have, have done so much to strengthen their squad and spent so much money over the summer when Liverpool really did not So I think the fact that like we weren't slotted or expected to win the league and as the season has unfolded, city has been in the driver's seat. I think that's why it feels fun and it doesn't feel like pressure to win the league for us in the way it would feel like a lot of pressure for city to hold on. Yeah. Um, so just psychologically and, and who knows, like on the one hand, I say that that's like, that's ridiculous. It's city. They're not going to be rattled by this kind of crap, but who knows? I mean, the crystal palace thing and their slip up, what, what was it three games ago when they lost, like those are some slip ups and Liverpool hasn't been slipping up. So we'll see. It's, it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Yeah. And I think, to kind of cap this conversation, if I'm Liverpool, if there's one team in the league that I think is going to thrive in that position, it's the team led by Jurgen Klopp yeah. and Mo Salah and, and just those studs that they have behind them. Like um, Divock Origi. Right. You know, last year was, was essentially an anomaly for them because of how injured they were. Right. They, yeah. had, the, they yeah. had some catastrophic injuries last year, but the last time we saw Liverpool fully healthy, they were unbeatable yep. and they're starting to look like that same squad at yep. this point. So they've got the right leader. They've got the horses. Um, Mo Salah went down. A little injury do have you heard anything is he playing you know anything tim got any inside info for us i haven't heard any updates he's not returning your text right now he's not no okay all right well keep us up to date on that if he gets back to you we'll do all he's right on my well, fan- the closest i have is he's on my fantasy um team and he's still listed as 75 percent for tomorrow so okay got it well with every race at the top there's also a race at the bottom. So uh, we teased it in the intro. Everton is now officially tied for that 18th slot. They are above on goal differential. They have quite a, a wide margin on goal differential over Watford. Um, but we posed the question. I got two questions. What the hell happened to Everton? And do we actually think they're going to get relegated for the first time in their history? Well. I, I, I think they are, I mean, it's still, they have a lot of games in hand, so it's a, it's a strong statement to make, but, but I just got to imagine like what a disaster that, that locker room is. They've spent so much money. They've like had a managerial change that didn't give them a bump. Like, it's just nothing they can do. They don't look good. They looked atrocious against Tottenham. Just, I mean, absolutely atrocious. And then they looked decent against Wolves over the weekend for the first half. And then the second half was an absolute joke. Like Wolves dominated possession. I mean, it was just like, and Wolves started, started a very defensive lineup 
which as Wolves fans, we were mostly like, dude, go for the throat. <laughs> like this is Everton. They're like, look so vulnerable right now. But even with this really defensive lineup, Wolves dominated the second half. Everton looks so bad and they just, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of, they've got like the reverse of what's happening with Liverpool, like where it's, Again, players who probably aren't used to being in this position, who are like scared of going down and bringing that shame upon this storied franchise. Like it's, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think they're going to go down. So time will tell, but they, they, they have like a fairly decent run of, of fixtures ahead of them. Um, I mean, but they've got April is brutal for them. April, May, like they just, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them. Here's the thing. They need to grab points. They've got Newcastle this week. Um, they're supposed to play Watford in a postponed match. Uh, so we'll see when that gets rescheduled. They've got a game against West Ham and then they have Burnley. If they are not head out of the sand by that point, April 6th, they're in some serious trouble because those are the teams that they need to be to, to give themselves some space, but then their schedule flips on them. Like you're saying in April, um, you know, they have, well, maybe luckily for them, they have United early in, in April. <laughs> But then they've got Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester again, Arsenal, Brentford. So it's a tough stretch for them. And with how they're playing, I'm telling you, if they don't grab points in the the Newcastle, Watford, Burnley games, they're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, it's a tough road for them. What do you think? think If there's there's any consolation for them, which there's not much, (laughs) but um, if there's any, it's that they do have talent on that squad that like, I mean, they're, they're in a way they're like a lesser, a lesser man United where like man United underperforms its talent. It's like collective talent, but only every game though, Tim, but only every game, but like, there's like, there's talent there where I look at, I mean, not that there's not talent on any premier league squad. They're all incredibly talented players, but like comparatively, some squads are better than others. And like looking at some of those relegation zone teams, like things could, could come together a couple weeks and they could get six points, you know, like, but I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Pretty wild. It's still wild. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That April 6th. That bottom. And Sorry. I was just going to say that April 6th, that April 6th, um, match at turf more against Burnley is probably like if we have to circle dates on the calendar, if April 10th is the, the date for the top, I, I really probably yeah. the April 6th Everton at, at uh, turf more against Burnley is probably the one that, that could seal one of their fates. If one of those teams wins, that's probably enough yeah. to, yeah. Well, I don't know. There's so much that'll happen. There's going to be so many losses and draws at that point. Like they're for these teams, draws are going to be as good as a win, (laughs) right? Like you can just be picking up one point at a time on 
the way out, which that's where almost a team like Burnley feels safer to me than a team like Everton. Everton's defense, their back line is a mess. And yeah. Burnley is known for being able to set up shop. And Burnley's used to this. Like, this is Burnley. They kind of sit in this relegation battle every year. And so it feels like it feels like I'd rather be Burnley. So maybe to flip the question, mm-hmm. would you rather be Everton right now? Or let's we'll leave Watford and and um uh Norwich out of it, but would you rather be Burnley or Everton right now? I would rather be Burnley. And I don't even have to think that hard about it. Burnley, because <laughs> Burnley is who they are, right? They, they've been this team for a while. Like you're saying, they like to park the bus, hold it down, lock down the back, and then try and break out and, and steal a game. Um, Burnley's also used to fighting for relegation and to stay out of it and to stay above it. So this is a position they're familiar with. They know this position. They know Everton are a little shell-shocked to be here. Everton never once thought that they would be in this position or even close to this position. Um, And so this is new territory for them. This is new ground and that's scary. And so if I'm picking a horse to back, I'm going to pick the horse that, you know, has been pretty consistent. Here's, here's a counter, a counterpoint. Like I'm really glad I'm, I'm neither team. (laughs) I wouldn't want to be Everton (laughs) or Burnley. So like, just say that clearly. Um, I'm not on the, I'm not on the Everton bandwagon, but I wonder like Chris, even following your logic about the top of the table, like the team that has one more point than the other team is the team I would rather be. Yeah. Like if moment, if like, if the momentum part of the Liverpool and, and Man City thing is not a big consideration for you, like, it looks like the opposite kind of momentum Everton's just plummeting. Right. Like it's really bad momentum there, but they've played one game fewer than Burnley and three games fewer than Leeds and Watford on either side of them. And they're, they're ahead of Watford ahead of Burnley having played fewer games. So it's more chances to have one good week. Like I'm setting the bar really low, but like, (laughs) like apart, you know, Burnley also has more chances than, than other teams down there to have a good week, but Everton has one more than they do. So I just yeah. have this, I have this feeling that Everton will squeak by at finishing 17th, maybe 16th, somewhere in there, but, but they can't be feeling comfortable because it's, they're, they're perilously close. Yeah, no, I think you're hundred percent right on that. And not to go against my own logic from earlier. Uh, <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to be consistent. I mean. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. I think a lot of this also is going to come down to what uh, Leeds does coming out of the yeah. coaching change. Yeah. Because uh, if they fall further apart, then we're having these conversations where who's in? Leeds, Everton, Burnley, you know. Um, it, it doesn't look good for Watford or Norwich at this point. No, um, they've played the full slate and they're still down there. That's not good. So, um, but it is gonna be interesting to see what Leeds does coming out with Mr. Marsh and their new, uh, hopefully fun attack. We'll see who knows. Well, three Leeds points and Brentford, Leeds and Brentford this weekend, right? Got much needed wins against rival 
relegation teams, you know, Brentford with a two nil win over Burnley and Leeds with a two, one win over Norwich. So they did what they had to do to separate themselves um, and really gave themselves much more of a chance and a little bit of a buffer Brentford particular, because Brentford's what nine points, eight points out of the Well, They've won the last two. Yeah. And they're, yeah. And they're eight points out of relegation. Um, and I think at this point, Brentford being four points out of the relegation zone bodes well for them. So, but obviously time will tell, but good yep. victories for right. over the weekend. I think we spent enough time talking about the losers of the league. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our focuses on our teams, uh, our speed round. Are we given two minutes or three minutes? What do you guys think? What do you Two need? minutes. Two minutes speed rounds. Um, I'll tell you what, Tim, you're on the clock up first. You let me know when you're ready and I'll start the timer. You know what? I'm ready. All I don't right. even need, I don't need a full two minutes. Well, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've already, we've already talked about um, kind of Liverpool related to city in the table. And that to me is the, like, rather than running down all the, the particulars of the games, I think that's the big focus right now. And just kind of, taking care of business against Brighton was really good. And obviously we've got a big, big match this week against Arsenal. Um, the, that first goal from Luis Diaz, uh, I would just say the Brighton keeper, Robert Sanchez is lucky not to have been sent off. And Luis Diaz is really, really fortunate to have not been seriously injured. That just looked so, that looked so scary. Just watching like, limbs and heads colliding at that speed um it seems like diaz is okay i'm really grateful for that but i was pretty nervous there like he probably had a concussion i don't know what their protocols are but they brought him back out um obviously var reviewed it and it did not go liverpool's way so i don't know what that means for the conspiracy in the league but um it was a pretty bar it was a pretty barbaric play by the goalkeeper um pretty reckless i think uh, the second goal was great. Um, good to see Salah just keep marching. I mean, that's the thing is like the time we've spent talking about Salah in this pod, I think is like really little compared to how dominant he's been. Like he has, was he 20, 21 goals in the league? It's just, and nobody else is close. I think the two that are closest are Mane and Jota at, at like 11 or 12 or something. And he also um, leads the league in assists, right? He does also lead the league in assists with a couple of Liverpool guys right behind him. That's the crazy thing, Nate, when you were talking about city, like they've got nobody at the top of those lists and yet like are just so dominant. But anyway, a great win two two goals to nil three points. We'll take it. Uh, good job, Tim. Way to use that two minutes. You didn't need. I'm proud of you. All right, Nate, give us what's going on in wolves land. Yeah, Wolves, two good wins after losing three in a row. Uh, Wolves got back-to-back wins. The Watford match was insane. Wolves scored four goals. We won 4-0. Uh, it was 14% of the Wolves' season goal total scored in that game, which was pretty funny. Um, it was reminiscent of 2018-2019 because Willie Bali and Johnny both started in the back line for wolves, which was cool to see that, that band back together. 
then a good solid win at Everton that I kind of already mentioned when I was uh, shitting on Everton, but uh, Connor Cody with a goal, they dominated the second half and we're in seventh. So that's exciting. That's a European position right now. Top six is going to be tough still. There's a decent gap between uh, Wolves and and sixth and the other teams, but, um, and maybe more because Tottenham's right behind them with some games in hand, but I'm excited for where Wolves are at. Love this team. And the huge news this week that was like, I could not focus on anything else. Yesterday, it was announced that Wolves are doing a U.S. tour this summer. Um, I've been buzzing all like the last 24 hours with that news. Um, Word is early rumors is San Francisco, LA and Houston, LA and Houston seem really likely LA because of the Mexican and Korean uh, population um, for Jimenez and Quang, but Houston has a huge Mexican population as well. And so um, looking forward to hopefully getting out there. Although I did hope that my first Wolves match would be at Molyneux, but I'll take it. Well, I'll go wherever they are this summer. Very nice. Yeah, definitely wherever they end up, we know you will be and probably will be with you. I would love that. At least hopefully. All right. Well, that brings me to United. I've got two minutes. Let's put it on the clock. All right. Um, My team sucks. (laughs) They don't know how to play football anymore. They're a bunch of overpaid babies. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but in reality, they actually had a really good Premier League game over the weekend. Uh, they beat Spurs 3-2. Uh, Ronaldo had a hat trick. His first goal was awesome. Just a just a scorcher from outside the box in the corner. Um, and it was the most heart they had shown all season. Um, got up, got tied. Got up, got tied, um, and scored a late one for the win and then held on. Um held on for the victory. It was everything that you had hoped for as a United fan all season. And then they come out today and they shit the bed in their champions league match at home against Atletico Madrid. So it's tough to get excited about what happened over the weekend. Great to take those points much needed. They need as many points as they can get the rest of the way. It's not looking good for them to, to finish in top four, which would mean they're eliminated from champions league for next year. Um, but it is what it is. That's how the season's gone. Uh, it's been a bad year started with just inconsistent play and inconsistent coaching, even with bringing in Ralph, that hasn't been any better. All these supposed, you know, managerial movements and changes to the scheme haven't been implemented. It's, they're just the same team. They run out there every week. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. So it's, it's a pretty depressing time right now to be a United fan. Uh, that being said, I don't mean to shit on other clubs and be like, woe is me as we sit in fifth place right now. So I understand the privilege that comes with being a big six uh, fan. I understand that. I just wish my team were consistently playing better as a team is all it kind of comes down to. So that's United in a nutshell, a ton of talent, but they just aren't a team. So that's all I got for this week on the United front. I tagged you in that tweet. I'm sure you saw it today, Chris, but it made me laugh so hard. Uh, actually, it was Danny, who was the Leeds supporter we yeah. interviewed last last year. He uh, um, he tweeted, he's like, oh, 
Atletico Atletico Madrid is down to 11 players now that Harry Maguire has been subbed off. Oh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, he's just been absolutely terrible. Um, and he was terrible again today. It's I don't I don't know. I don't know enough about the sport. I haven't been following it long enough to be like he needs to be stripped of his captaincy. Like I, I don't know what goes into that stuff. I do know that there are a ton of rumblings that this is just a completely fractured squad. Mm. And a lot of it is stemming from him being the captain of the team, Mm. trying to hold guys accountable and responsible. And they're just pointing the finger right back at him and saying, Mm. you're garbage on the pitch. Who are you to be calling any one of us out for our play or our, you know, levels. And so, uh, something's going to happen this summer. It's got to happen this summer, but I don't know at what point, like who, cause I've never who's seen there. It. Who's there. Um, like, I don't know what they call it. Second captain or vice captain. Like who does he hand the armband off to when he goes, it on? usually goes to either Bruno or Ronaldo this year, depending. So Bruno came oh, even out. to Ronaldo. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Bruno came out before Harry came out today and then when when Harry came out, I'm pretty sure he gave it to Ronaldo. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just I, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm obviously a big fan of the best players play. Like, I don't care what your contract status is. That's part of like me not signing any checks for anybody. Yeah. Like, if, if you can play, you go in and you play. Like, I don't care what you're getting paid. Um, but at this point, like. Lindelof is such a better defender than Harry Maguire is, but they keep running Harry out there and keep giving him the R man. And I just, I don't get it. And, and that's part of being new to this is like, I don't know. Like the only other sport where like captaincy matters from what we follow would, would be hockey. And, you know, you see these hockey captains who are captains of their teams for like 17 years. And, you know, it's not about their level of play. It's usually about their leadership. And so I don't know if that's kind of the same way in the Premier League, but it certainly feels like the leader that Harry maybe was two years ago, three years ago, when he first arrived, is not the same guy that's there today. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. All right, let's move on. That is way too much United talk for how bad they're playing. Um, As you know, we like to throw out these random little tidbits throughout our week. Uh, Nate, you were surprised by something this week, which is was really funny because you were actually a fan of this player before anyone else because he was playing for Wolves. But, uh, you know, we like to say knowing is half the battle. So, Nate, you've got a couple updates for us on this front. What uh, what what shot stuck out at you this week? (laughs) Yeah, so I was back and I'll explain why I was doing this, but I was back watching some Wolves highlights from when they were in the championship. And uh, in this particular uh, video I was watching, Diogo Jota was on the screen, but it said Silva on the back of his kit. And I was like, what in the hell? So I like, I look it up and see that his last name's Silva and his Jota is a nickname. And so I even, you know, texted our group chat and was like, Tim, did you know this? And he's like, no, I had no idea either. And so the knowing is half the battle part is that championship and below. So all the lower tiers of the, of the English pyramid do not allow nicknames on their jerseys. So you have to have your real last name. 
So Aguero, when he was playing, if he, if they had happened to be in the championship or lower, he couldn't have had Kuhn Aguero on the back of his kit like he did because Kuhn's a nickname. And so they only allow you to have the real last name. So that's why Diogo Jota said uh, Silva on the back when Wolves were in the championship. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Who knew? Who? A lot of English people. A lot of people, not lot. including us. <laughs> not yes. us. Not us. They would be called regular football fans. <laughs> Non-neophytes knew this. That's who knew this. All right. Uh, well, we had a couple red cards. Uh, Kenny for Everton had a double yellow. He got the boot. Um, Collins for Burnley got a straight red. I didn't see either of these infractions situations. Nate, anything of note that we need to uh, be following on this? Not really. I mean, the the John Joe Kenny was just those kind of bonehead. It it seems to happen a lot in the in the Premier League where a guy gets two yellows in the matter of 10 minutes. I don't, mm. I don't know what it is or what, what the psychology or if it's just happenstance that I noticed that, but Raul had one earlier this season, right? That was within like 30 seconds. Yeah. And that was, that was even more, that was just more like someone losing their mind. This yeah. is like in the run of play. It seems like, I don't know if it's like frustration where a guy comes in or it also happens towards the end of matches. I, I feel like so. I don't know if it's tired legs, tired bodies. You're making a little slower in your decision-making. So you're making worse tackles, but it was one of those situations, just two bad tackles in a matter of about 10 minutes. So mm-hmm. good work. Yeah. All right. We always like to hit on the hair watch. Um, it was pretty stunning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this none man of us has saw been, this coming. None of us saw the, this coming. Yeah, this man has been noted on the hair watch multiple times. It's always usually on point, crisp, <laughs> looking good. Um, Nate, t- take just take it away. Just take it away. Well, yeah, I Paul Pogba. I mean, there is there any other hair that we could be talking about than the no hair, the hairless, bald Paul Pogba? I mean. It was shocking. It's It was jarring to see. And yeah, it's like, this is part of your brand. It's not like he's a guy who normally just has really short hair and just, oh, let me shave it all off. But like, he obviously puts a lot of thought and attention and care into his hair. And not just the style, but the color. I feel like he's totally. always experimenting with really cool colors. And to just say, to heck with it, I'm done with having hair. You wonder almost mid season too, like just, well, this is my next point. Is it, he's been wanting to shave his head for a while. Uh, and he thought, well, I can't be bald for the world cup. Uh-huh. So I got to do it now so that by December, my hair yes. is fully grown back and I've been able to die, like dial it in diet maybe have some red white and blue in there represent france like i think i think the timing had to be now if he if he's not going to stick with this if he's sticking with it then i don't understand i'm a balding man chris is bald (laughs) and i like i would do whatever i could to keep my good hair for as long as possible and pogba's got great hair so i don't i don't know what's going on 
maybe midlife crisis. Maybe it's like symbolic of what's happening in that locker room, like sackcloth and ashes type situation. My goodness. Should be a quarter yeah. life crisis, really. He's a young, he's a young man. <laughs> he's a young man. Maybe a third life crisis. Who knows? But for yeah. a footballer, he's in his midlife for sure. Yeah, it was it was stunning. Like it was. I was like, wait, what? Wow. And again today, it was. He came on in like the sixty fifth minute today, and still, bicked, bicked and clean. So Maybe, uh, you know, here here's another theory. Maybe it's that. Um, in his free time, Pogba likes to watch a lot of um, of Norwich games, and he's just like, "Man, this Timo Puki kid, he is cool. I I want to be <laughs> like Timo Puki." That's my working theory. That's the best I've got so far. It's love solid. A, I mean, he'll have a beard. He'll have a beard. Soon. He's working on the yes. beard, Nate. Give him time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, they. I know that they both listen to the pod, and so I'm sure hearing me you know, disparaged United and always praising Pookie was a, was a huge factor for Paul. So, yeah. Yeah. Paul, we love you. Uh, let your hair grow out, dye it, whatever color you want. You look like a stud when you do. Yep. Um, the big look, isn't it? In my opinion, it's not. <laughs> no. So moving on to the American watch. And that brings us to the conclusion of our American watch. <laughs> well, we should, uh, Jesse well, Marsh did yes. get a, a, a victory, so we should Three just points. move on so quick. Um, All right. I'm, I'm talking about on-the-pitch action, uh, not on the sidelines. But, yes, Jesse Marsh did make his debut for Leeds this week in a victory. Um, he made his um, debut last week, so this is actually his second, his second oh, match. But yeah, sorry. But 500, he's already got the best career winning percentage of any uh, American manager in the Premier League. So he should quit now. Just three points in that. two games. That's like above relegation zone. Yes, <laughs> just retire that at that point. So congratulations, Mr. Marshall. Proud of you. First victory. All right. Goal of the week. Um, I'll kick this one off. I didn't see all the goals of the week. I fully admit that. Um, I did see Cristiano Ronaldo's first goal from way out on a laser. Yeah. That was my pick for goal of the week. Uh, Nate, I know you had a deciphering opinion, which is totally acceptable and fine. Uh, what did you think? Well, Ruben Neves scored a goal in the Watford midweek midweek match that was just remarkable, and it's even created like some like some controversy within Wolves fan because Neves is known for his kind of wonder goals, and this is why I was going back watching some championship goals because he has this goal from the championship days where the ball comes flying in he kicks it up to himself and then hits a strike from well outside the box. That's just remarkable. And everyone knows this is Neves's like masterpiece masterpiece. And one of the guys on the wolves fan cast who is, he does a lot of their tactical stuff. He really understands the tactics of soccer. He thinks this goal by Neves is better than that one. And so everyone was kind of giving him a hard time, but yeah, Neves just had this, you know, he's outside the 18 yard box. He, he, he's got three defenders around him. Um, ben Foster, who just had a terrible game is a little further off his line than he probably should have been. 
Neves kind of passes it to himself and then just puts this like beautiful, like shot that just goes over the defenders over Foster and then just dips into the goal. So um, it was, it was beautiful and kind of shocking because of how it was done. Um, I, I feel like we see a lot of, of like power shots and not to discredit uh, Ronaldo's cause it's beautiful. We see a lot of those, like just rockets. And I think that's why to me, this one was so unique, kind of like in a different way, the solo one where like from a month ago where he danced around a couple of the fenders and then yeah. puts that shot in the uniqueness of the goal makes the solo one so powerful. And that's kind of how I felt about this Neves one, like the skill it takes to, to do what he did was, was really amazing. So Nice. Tim, did you have anything you saw this week that you're like, holy? I have two shout outs. One, I'm going to have trouble pronouncing both names, you guys. But one is uh, Newcastle, Bruno Guimarães. as a Brazilian. Did you guys see this one? I didn't. It was like back heel, back heel into the goal with some force. So it was like it's one thing to like kind of dink off the back heel and just let the, like the momentum of the pass carry it. But it was like with force and intention, it was pretty sweet. I'd imagine like being a human being capable of doing that. That would be a pretty fun feeling. Uh-huh. The other even better feeling was Andriv Yarmolenko. Did you guys see this goal No. for West Ham? So he's a Ukrainian guy and he, yeah. the, the goal was nice, but the moment was so oh, great. I didn't he, see it. He scored a goal. It was a great goal. He runs over and just like puts his, like he slides oh. on his knees, the teammates running behind him and he just puts his, like puts his arms up to like, to like greet the crowd. Cause they, they knew what was happening and just put his head in his hands and just, he's like weeping. Oh, um, so cute. the moment it was really special just to see like what that means. I'm sure for him, what it means for his family, what it means for people back in Ukraine. And I, I had that brief moment of like, I hesitate to make two like glib comparisons, but remembering like after nine 11, how significant those first baseball moments were. Yeah. Um, uh, in New York city, wearing the FDNY or NYPD hats. And, um, and then even in the world series, when president Bush threw out the, through the first pitch, like, sports feel so insignificant in comparison to mass tragedies like 9-11 or like the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But, but sports can also be such a life-giving hope, like hopeful thing. So, um, so I thought that was really special. Well, and I think to that point too, right? Like there's something unifying about sports in general. So everyone can celebrate the Yarmolenko goal. Yep. But then I think also it does put things into perspective. So you're watching, like, was it against Villa? Uh, yeah. Yep. Against Villa. So, so even if you're a Villa fan, there's probably something in you, hopefully. I don't know. Not if you're not as like Chelsea. I don't know. We spent a lot of time talking about how rough some of the English supporters are. Yeah. That's true. The fact that Chelsea fans are chanting, Abramovich's name but but still I think from a broader perspective watching games or even like today like I filled my tank up at the gas the gas station and 
it was expensive, but I'm sitting there going, everyone's bitching about gas prices and there's families that are being separated. There's like thousands, you know, hundreds of civilians who are dying. There's like real tragedy in the world. Like we can handle paying a little extra for gas for a while. Like in a year from now, we won't even really think about, like, we won't really think about those like couple of months when gas was higher than we'd seen it before. Yeah. But for these families, life will never be the same again. Right. Totally. Totally. So, so I think there is something where sports does it, it unifies us um, it and, and it puts it in perspective because we, we can watch a sport and say, okay, this is, this is entertainment and it's fun. And it's something that we can stay up late doing podcasts about and waking up early to watch our teams play. But in the grand scheme of things, there's other important things happening. And that's what makes the Yarmolenko goal. Like, and I can't wait to watch it, but that yeah. much more powerful. Well, and it, and it, and it can provide comfort and like in the best sense of the word, it can provide some escape when you can't escape what's going on in your life. Um, If there's a lot of hard stuff going on in your life, sports can be a really like a really great thing. So totally. For sure. They can be, they're very helpful to me a couple of years ago. So, Mm. Um, all right, guys, let's move it into our lock it in review. Um, I am pulling up the rear pretty solidly. Um, I chose city over crystal palace. They drew, dropping me to 15 and 13 on the season. Nate, you took Liverpool over Brighton, uh, bringing you up to 17 and 11. And Tim, you are city running away with the title last year right now. Let's see if uh, Nate can catch you because I don't have hopes. Uh, I'd like to say it's more like Liverpool running away with it uh, in 2020. No, that was so long ago. So, Tim, you chose Arsenal over Leicester. Yep. Another victory for you. So, you're at 21 and seven. Uh, since I'm bringing up the rear, I get first pick. And because I get first pick, I get to pick Liverpool over Arsenal this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot going into that pick for me. Uh, one, it's how far does my curse extend to everybody? Uh, two, I need Arsenal to actually lose. So that's good for United. Yeah. But if Liverpool loses, it's still kind of funny to me. So it's like, it's a win on every sense <laughs> of the pick. Um, but I would like to get a victory. It's been a while since I've seen one. So um, Liverpool over Arsenal for me, Nate, what you got? Well, before I pick, I do want to mention we did bend the rules this week because of the FA Cup quarterfinals over the weekend. There's there were limited amount of I think there's only four Premier League matches over the over the weekend and Friday and Monday. And so um, we extended it to allow us to pick from these midweek games. That's even why you're able to pick that Liverpool over Arsenal. So. I just yes. want to, for those who are really paying attention to our rules on the lock it in. And like, hey, for the wait. none of you who caught that. Oh, we that know we'll be getting you. hate mail. We hate know mail. it. So that, that explains that, but I our t- administrative assistants and production engineers will be handling a lot of that in the next yes. 48 hours. Totally. But I did take one from the weekend. I am taking wolves over leads. Uh, and the reason for that mostly is form. 
like the way Wolves are playing. I don't love choosing against a team with a new manager, that new manager bump. Wolves haven't actually played that great at home, but just looking at, at the form of both teams, it felt like the best choice out of really a lot, not a lot of great choices. The fact that I think Chris, the fact that you took Liverpool over Arsenal with the first pick shows that there's a lot of tough, tough matches this weekend. Yeah. And it was mostly just Liverpool's playing really good. Yep. All well, right, I'm, Tim. That I'm hopping. You. I'm I'm hopping on the Newcastle Brown Ale bus <laughs> and picking them over Everton, despite everything I've I said about how Everton should be feeling so good about themselves. <laughs> Newcastle are just even though they lost this week, they are still in pretty good form. So I'm going Newcastle over Everton. If you would have told us at the beginning of the season <laughs> that totally. the third best lock it in option for week 30 <laughs> of the premier league would be Newcastle over Everton. Oh my God. None goodness. of us, none of us would have believed it. No, not at all. And I, I probably should warn you, Tim, the Newcastle Brown ale express. It all ends the same with you throwing up and having a lot of regret. Okay. <laughs> But that's kind of like if you root for Everton, it ends up in the same place. So. <laughs> Probably. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Put your money down on our picks. We're always right. 60% of the never time. Um, what to watch for this week. Uh, like Nate just mentioned, a lot of games are postponed this week because of the FA Cup. So that obviously means the FA Cup is going on this weekend. You should check it out. It's actually a, a cup that some people care about. So it's a good thing to watch. Uh, Nate, you got any matches from those games that, that, that people need to tune into? Well, I'm really curious about this Middlesbrough-Chelsea match now um, with this bit of controversy with the form of Chelsea. Middlesbrough fans are going to be furious, you know, like they'll, they're going to be all over Chelsea. So I'm, I'm really interested uh, in that one particularly. And I want to see a championship club make it to the South. So for sure. For sure. Tim, anything you're watching this week, anything stick out to you, buddy? Well, what's, what's fun about this is Nottingham forest has not, I'll be honest, Nottingham Forest has not occupied much of my mental bandwidth in my lifetime, but at the pub, uh, Crown Public House here in Phoenix, one of the songs we sing, which is not like a local song, it's a Liverpool fan song, it starts with the line, we hate Nottingham Forest, we hate Everton too, and then there's an expletive we yell, and then we hate Man United, but Liverpool, we love you. So the fact the first line is we hate Nottingham Forest is like, so this is a big game for us. Yeah. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of hatred involved. So I'm here for it. You'll have to figure out why. Yeah. What was it? It was, I, I did Google it at one point. Cause I was like, that's an odd team to hate. Um, was it, were they the team we played in the Hills, the Hillsborough game? Might was be. that against that, them? That, but I think back sense. then they would have been like more of a, a powerhouse team. Yeah. And so it must've just been, a, been a rivalry at the time. Yep. Just so I'm clear. Cause it wasn't, it wouldn't have been Nottingham Forest that caused any of the, of the calamity that day, but no, 
but I think they were more of a more of a rival at the time. But just so I'm clear, it doesn't have anything to do with Robin Hood. I don't think so. Okay, all right. Just I don't know though. Just Stu can fact check us. Stu. It's great that we have Stu as our research department. <laughs> I know. I'm thankful for him. For sure. All right. And there is one other game that, Nate, I know you are keeping an eye on as well as Tim. It's been mentioned already as it's my lock of the week. But uh, Arsenal is playing Liverpool. And why is that important to this podcast? I don't know, actually. Oh, it's because it's the football neophyte derby. No, it's... it's no, it's Tim, not. Tim and Titus. Well, I was referring to a different football neophytes in Darby oh. in my notes. That's like the why the slash is there. There's another <laughs> football neophytes Darby. So this is game one. I mean, I guess Tim and Titus, that's very generous of us to consider him a football neophyte. Yes. Hey, we love all your kids the same here. Okay. That's true. That's a true. free neophyte. Yes. Well, the okay. football There's neophyte actually Darby a football here. neophyte Darby. Friday. The real one is Wolves leads and and <laughs> Kyle who's living back in Phoenix and has been since the beginning of the year and I haven't even seen him in 2 months he and I are getting together to watch the match together on Friday so very exciting to watch a to have a football neophyte derby in person should be a blast should be awesome Kyle we miss you I know you've been on recently while I've been out um, good luck. That should be a fun game. I hope, I hope it's a fun game. I hope it's not just a bloodbath. Um, all right. Well, anything else you guys want to add? Any final thoughts you need to chip in here? No, got nothing, nothing. All right. Well, then that brings us to the end of this week. Thanks for putting up with me and letting me run with this. It was fun. Uh, Nate will be back to his regularly, uh, speaking schedule next week. Uh, but for now, Putin out. Putin out. I can Putin out. Putin out. All right. We're all behind that one. Yeah. <laughs>